Hello. How are you guys doing this morning? You good looking? That's for sure. I, I'm telling you, I've been to some congregations. I was like, woo, we need to pray. <laughs> no. No, my name is Jeremy Nelson. This is Miranda. Um, I don't know, you want to say something? Yeah, it's good to be here with you guys. And that worship was wonderful. It was, it was really good. It was definitely a sweet presence in the room. And the Lord was opening my eyes to all sorts of stuff. So that's pretty cool. That means that you guys have cultivated a great atmosphere in here. So we're very happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I learned a new word today. It was ha, ha, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that one. Ha, hallelujah, ha, ha. <laughs> It's just fun. I mean, it's kind of like a tongue twister. Just try it. Just go, ha, hallelujah, ha, ha. You know, one of the things you got to understand about joy is it's childlikeness. You know, that's how you receive. I mean, I'm telling you, I've played so many games with little kids. I mean, I stayed in host homes sometimes. I remember one of the last host homes I stayed in, this little boy, he had Play-Doh, and he made all these little hamburgers. And he said, I'm a chef. And I said, oh, yeah, you are, hun. He said, come here, eat with me. He's like, he said, I'm eating with the Prince of England right now. And I thought, well, I better sit down with the Prince, you know. And, <laughs> and I sat there, and I had so much fun with this kid. I even act like I ate at a hamburger that didn't exist with him. And you know what it did? It made me laugh. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes that's how the things of God are. You know, it's like you got to do it by faith. And, you know, it's like a little girl that has a tea party, you know. She'll sit there, and she'll drink tea with all her friends that aren't even there. And there's not even food on the table, but there's... There's, you know, an imaginary cake, and then there's, you know, they'll sip back the tea and be like, ooh, that was good. Did you like that? And you can either be staunch and be, nah, there's no food there or none of that. Or you can just go, yeah, come on, let's drink it, you know. How many know it's like that with God, right? Like the prophetic is an invitation, and sometimes God will set a table that you can't exactly see physically in front of you, but it doesn't mean that it's not there spiritually, right? And so I feel like God wants to totally bless us this morning, and um, he wants us to receive from the the unseen realm, and he wants us to receive from the prophetic, and Jesus uh, often said things like this, you know, when when he talked to people, you know, in John chapter 3, he said to Nicodemus, you know, he said, how can I talk to you about things of heaven if you don't even understand the things of the natural yet? And, and, you know, he said that in response to, um, he told Nicodemus, you know, you have to be born again to enter the things of the kingdom or to enter the kingdom of God. And, and Nicodemus tried to approach it with this. And he said, well, what do I got to go back in my mother's womb? Almost like a, almost like a mockery statement to what Jesus was saying, but Jesus was trying to teach him a principle. And that's this is that, yes, there's the natural, but there's also the spiritual. And I feel like this morning, God wants to, um, like, we're going to start off, uh, I do have a message I feel like the Lord's put in my heart, but I want to, um, I know Miranda has a few things to share, but I feel like this morning, God wants to spiritually encourage some people. And we're just going to flow here for the next little bit, you know, encouraging people, maybe even in some healing. Um, but uh, I, I want to cut Miranda loose, because I know she had a couple visions that she was telling me about in the worship. So why don't you start off, and then I'll, um, I'll piggyback. I mean, that's the good thing about an anointed wife, right? <laughs> we could prophesy all morning. But I, I had a very specific word when I prayed and felt like the Lord wanted me to, um, to come after 10 minutes <laughs> of receiving the, the invitation. And uh, just a prophetic word that I believe is for the church. Um, and, and, you know, I'll just real quickly give one more, but, um, uh, Nelson, I really felt like the Lord told me in worship today when he was joking around, said that you say, Oh, that guy's got a long name. They should change it to Nelson. Well, Nelson means son of the champion. 
And uh, I felt that the Lord was saying to you that you're going to bring many sons into a place of becoming champions and that this is a season where you're going to travel around, you're going to um, totally raise up and, and you're going to release. And I really felt like that scripture out of, uh, out of Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, and, and it's, I believe it's 9 and, and 10, but it talks about how um, God has put his voice in your mouth and you're going to uh, you're going to pull up, you're going to pluck up, you're going to destroy, but then you're going to plant and you're going to build and you're going to release the things that he shows you in the kingdom. And that's what I feel like you're doing right now. And the Lord is sending you out and he's bringing you back. He's sending you out, he's bringing you back. But literally when you go out, you pluck up, you destroy and you plant and you build for the kingdom. But there's going to be many sons that'll come into a place of becoming champions because of the work that you're doing now. And I see it's like scattering seed all over wherever you go. And, uh, and, and the Lord's going to uh, cause an acceleration. It's like I saw this bag that you had on, on the side of your hip, and it was, um, it was seed for the harvest. It was seed, but it said miracle grow. And you were sowing these <laughs> seeds, and they would, they would, as soon as they go into the ground, they would sprout up. As soon as they go into the ground, they would come forth, and there would be um, an accelerated manifestation of, of harvest and fruit and things like that. And, and so, Lord, we just bless uh, we just bless Pastor Nelson to take the kingdom of God to the nations, Lord. We thank you. He's got an apostolic mantle, Lord God. That even as a, a father and an apostle, Lord God, he's going to raise up many sons who will become champions in the faith, who will see the goodness of God and the glory of God in the land of the living. And so, Lord, we bless that now, and I thank you for the strategies, and I thank you for the blueprints, Lord God, to how to do that. And that's another part of it. I see the blueprints and the strategies coming this season where you've had the connections and you've had the relationships, but not necessarily known exactly, Lord, how do we do this? This is the season where God's going to clearly begin to give you that blueprint, and it's going to unfold in front of you, and you're going to see um, many sons turn to sons that are champions in the faith. And, and, um, and so anyway, it's, it's interesting because you're saying, you know, we've got to change the name to Nelson, and that's actually your calling is to get people to become Nelson and, <laughs> in a healthy way, though, you know? So... Amen. Um, real quick, I want to just, uh, I'm going to share with you guys here for a bit, and then we'll jump back into some ministry. But uh, one of the things I really felt God wanted to do in this place was that God wanted to practically teach people how to chart the course of their prophetic destiny. And um, some of you might say, what does that mean? Well, how many know that when we get a prophetic word from God, uh, you know, or we begin to read the word of God or we hear the word of God, it's not, when, when we get that, how many know we play a part in it, Right. And it's not always just uh, when, when someone prophesies over you like Miranda just did or, uh, or, or I did or when you get a word from God maybe like when you're spending time with him in his presence and he speaks to you about a specific thing. How many of you know that that isn't you know, necessarily absolute all the time, but it's potential? And see, God wants to teach us how to take the potential things in our lives that are from heaven and to begin to cultivate them to where they manifest on the earth. And what happens is that what is planted in our hearts from heaven begins to, uh, to harvest on the earth so that it's seen around us. And when it's seen around us, how many know it changes people's lives? And it changes hearts, it changes cities, it changes nations. And, and, and God wants to begin to move in two aspects, I believe, in this next season. You know, recently I was praying and um, and as I was praying, I actually saw in a vision a map of, of North America. Now, when I say North America, I mean North America. So it was like Canada, United States, and Mexico. And as I was praying and as I was seeing, um, you know, in this vision, this map, I saw a wave 
uh, out of the ocean like a tsunami wave um, come from the west, from the Pacific, and I saw a wave come from the east coast, which uh, you know would be the Atlantic, and I saw these massive waves. Now, they were so big that they actually overtook the whole continent of, of North America, and they met in the middle, and when they met in the middle, it was interesting. They kissed, and there was a scripture, and it was Psalm 72, 8, and, and I don't know if you guys know what that is, but that's actually a scripture that I know is a, a scripture that is very famous for Canada. And, and that talks about his rule and his dominion shall, shall be from sea to shining sea. And as I saw this, when these, uh, when these, these tsunami waves kissed, there, there was the word awakening that came forth. And I really believe that God is about to release an awakening to North America uh, regarding his spirit and regarding his love. And, and the Lord told me this. He said the wave from the West Coast is revival and the wave from the East Coast is reformation. And we're in a time and we're in a season. We're going, to see, uh, we're going to see God release revival and reformation. You can't have one without the other. They both go together. And I meet people all the time that they, they love reformation. They'll say, oh, yeah, we're going to transform cities. And they got great ideas. And, you know, maybe it's like they can go into places of great poverty and they can, um, they can plant um, you know, hair salons and bring prostitutes out of a place of prostitution and, and teach them the, the way of the kingdom and get them saved and delivered. But then you get them into an entrepreneurial anointing so that they can actually uh, survive without going back to the old thing. And then before you know it, entire communities start to be transformed because what happens is that when one or two get value in their hearts of the kingdom, all of a sudden, you, you know, it goes from there's a, a, a culture of prostitution and uh, to all of a sudden there is no prostitution because all the prostitutes own their own businesses. They're all making money the right way. And there's a transformation of that part of that city. And what happens is that the kingdom of God starts to be established. And all of a sudden, uh, before you know it, darkness creeps away. Light starts to come. Before you know it, governments begin to take notice. Laws start to change. And then all of a sudden, entire cities begin to come to the Lord. Now, why am I sharing this? Because this is what's happening in the nations right now. And this is what I call reformation. Now, in the same token, there's revival. What is revival? Revival is something that I believe is, it's not necessarily the transformational aspect like I'm talking about there, but it's the, the aspect of God touching his church. See, revival is something that is when God, how many know that if we're going to bring transformation to the world, we've got to have a personal touch from God? Like what we were talking about this morning, you know, when the Spirit of God touches you and fills you back up, then you're ready to go out there and to totally bring reformation to the world. But how many know we need personal revival, right? And you know what I want to say this is that there's a lot of people out there that are not big fans of revival because they don't understand revival. People will say, oh, well, I don't believe in that revival stuff because I saw what happened with the last one. Well, I don't care what happened with the last one. I don't see revival as a movement or as a church. I see revival as a person. And that's the person of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's God. You know, Acts chapter 4 says, Repent so that times of refreshing can come to you from the presence of the Lord. Because when refreshing comes, then what it does is it brings life. How many know that if we were in the desert, right? And you know what's amazing is I remember this was several years back. But in California where we live, um, you know, there was some storms that happened in, in some of the deserts. And, and there, was, there hadn't been water there for a long, long time. And there were, there were flowers that bloomed out of the driest, most dead places that hadn't existed for the science says over 100 years. 
Like these, they thought they were totally gone and, and you know, extinct and they, they were no more. But then all of a sudden it rains in the desert where they've never had rain before. And then they have a blooming of flowers that came that, that were over 100 years old. That nobody thought was there anymore. Well, how many know that's about what God's going to do in, in this nation? He's about to do that. Where people say, well, I, we haven't seen a move of God since the 50s and 60s. Or we haven't seen uh, a powerful wave of the Holy Ghost where it overtook cities and regions since the Welsh Revival or since Azusa Street. Or since, you know, some of the, the outpourings that have happened in time, his, time pack, you know, in history. Well, God's about to do it again. And you know what? Just because you don't see it in front of you doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And what God's about to do is God's about to bloom and he's about to blossom the things of the kingdom in the desert and he's going to shock the world because they're going to say, wow, those on fire Christians that change the world and turn it upside down do exist. And you know what? I believe that even in this place, God's going to use many of you. And, and that God wants to teach you how to, how to position yourself and how to position your hearts to be used by him because uh, we live in a, a, a generation that I believe is what I call an orphan generation. And some of you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, if you don't know Jesus and he's not in your heart giving you uh, life and direction and security, then I want you to understand something. If he's not filling your heart with who he is, then you will be like an orphan in this world. You will wander everywhere looking for something to fill your heart, but never feel the satisfaction and never feel the joy, never feel the peace, never feel the, the righteousness that you get when you're filled with Christ. And, and there's an entire world out there that tries to fill their heart with things like sex and with, uh, you know, drugs or alcohol or even um, some people think that money is going to do it. Or, or some people think that, uh, you know, if they could just get enough friends or whatever, that, that they'll have peace. But the only peace that's eternal comes from God. And see, God wants to begin to raise people up. You know, Isaiah 8.18 says that God's people are for signs and wonders amongst the world. And, and I really believe that God wants to raise people up in this place to be signs and wonders amongst your community. See, there should be something different about us as Christians, shouldn't there? That when people come into contact with us, they're not like, oh yeah, I've been there before, seen that. But when they come into contact with us, there's, there's a supernatural aspect of, of God in our lives and his love that, that when people encounter you, they're changed. And see, I believe that that's God's will, is that God wants to raise up people who are game changers, that wherever they go, they change situations, or they change atmospheres, or they change people's lives, and, and, and they show the reality of God, who is more than a book, but he's alive, he's a person. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm excited, because I believe that, that God wants to teach us how to walk with him, and, and, and to do it successfully. And one of the analogies that God's been giving me lately is sailing a ship, you know, like, there's so many scriptures in the Bible about, you know ships and shipwrecks and, you know, like um, setting sail and all these things. And so the Lord's been speaking to me about that. And, you know, if we were going to, let's just say we were going to set sail from Vancouver to Hawaii. How many know some of you would probably be excited, right? I know I would. I'd be like, Hawaii, come on. And, um, but, but if we got on a ship to go to Hawaii, how many know that uh, we wouldn't be sailing to that island blind, would we? You know, you don't just get in the boat and go, all right, let's just, uh, I think Hawaii's over that way. Why don't we head that way? And, and you know, how I many know we would chart a course to get us to our destiny? And, and not only would we do that, but we would probably have some technology to help us along the way as well, right? Because how I many know technology is good? I mean, I'm, I've, met, I've met some people that are, um, well, some people that don't want to let go of the Stone Age, let's just say. I mean, I meet people that are like, I refuse to get on Facebook and this and that. And I'm just like... I'm like, I promise you, Facebook's not the devil. Like, it, 
It's called technology. You know, it's a good way to stay in touch with people or whatever. You get funny people sometimes that, well, we didn't do that in 1984. And I was just tell them, well, we're not in 1984 anymore. You know, like we have to stay what? Relevant. And we got to understand that if I'm going to take a, a voyage on a cruise ship, I better, I hope they got some sort of stuff giving us direction, right? And, you know, if we took a, how many know that if we took a sail in January versus probably June, there'd be different water conditions, right? Because why? There's different weather patterns and there's different times and seasons in life. And so through all of that, we've got to have some things that will give us tools to make it to where we're going from where we're at. And, and I want to just say this, that when you receive a prophetic word from God, when God begins to speak to you or your family, what he's doing is he's giving you a destination. It's like, oh, Hawaii. Okay, we're going to go to Hawaii. And then it's up to you to, uh, to learn what to do with what he gives you to get to that place. And the way it works is you have to steward things properly. And the best way to understand that is this, is that when God speaks, it's the greatest potential for your life, for what he's calling you to do. It doesn't mean that it's absolute. It actually means you have to learn to position yourself to receive. You have to learn to position yourself to receive. And, and here's what I want to say is that just like if we were to board a ship today, they got an amazing captain. And that captain's probably set many voyages off to go from Vancouver to, to Hawaii. And, and, and even if the captain isn't feeling that good, they have technology, don't they, where it can help us out. And, and they can actually see ahead of time, you know, the storms that are coming and take a different route, which would be better along the way. Well, how many know that's the job of the Holy Ghost? How many know that God has given us the Holy Spirit to begin to help us chart the course of our prophetic destiny? And, and what happens is God speaks a word to you. But then uh, how many know that if it were just up to us to be like, OK, let's just get in a little boat and sail over to Hawaii. We'd probably be done after like a day. Right. We'd have to like hopefully shoot off some sort of a, a, a flare or something and be like, help rescue us. Well, I'll tell you, that's what happens when you try to make the things of God happen out of your own strength. They don't happen. But, but what happens, though, when you begin to ride with Jesus, right? And you begin to go, and the captain of the Lord of hosts begins to, um, to, to sail with you, and he begins to show you how to get from point A to point B. And even if there's challenges along the ways, because here's what I want to say. If you receive a real word from heaven, there will be challenges. There will be challenges. I don't care who you are or what the word is or who prophesied it to you. A lot of times it's the challenge that actually refine, refines your heart and life so that you can actually walk out the promise and not have pride or not fall short or not fall into something that would, would easily uh, hurt you or others. But, but it's the process. How many know as Christians we like microwavable things, right? I mean, I meet people all the time. They're like, man, prophesy over me. And then they're like, oh, all hell broke loose. The opposite happened to what you said, man. What's the deal? You know, it's like we want it to be like, doo -doo -doo, ping, you know, and it's like prophecy. And then now it's just there. Right. And sometimes it, it happens like that with gifts and, and the, the, um, the anointing of God. And, and, you know, we can I've received impartations where people have prayed for me to have visions. And then before I knew it, I started having more visions. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about um, I'm talking about life words. And, and, you know, when heaven starts to speak, how do we cultivate that to see a harvest? And, and you know, in my own life, I could tell you I've, I've had to learn how to walk this out because the more that you're called by God or the more that you're chosen, the more that you begin to walk after him, you actually start to learn you've got to steward things. 
And you know, if, if God calls you out and gives you a word that you're called to be a multi-million dollar businessman or woman, and you're called to, um, to do something you know, in, in the realm of finances to affect the kingdom of God, then you might want to go get an education. You know, some people are like, what do you mean? I'm not going to college. Do you know what they teach? It's humanism. And I think to myself, well, I'm pretty sure Daniel did not like learning the language of the Chaldeans. But you know what? He did it anyway, and he was faithful. Why? Because I believe that this is what I want to say to some of you. The kingdom of God inside of us is greater than the kingdoms outside of us. And we can't live by fear to where we think that if we go into the world, they're going to affect us. We should be the ones affecting them. And I believe that God is raising up a, a generation who's going to have a vision of how good and how great their God is. And they're not going to be afraid to go into dark places or even into, um, onto secular campuses and places like that. But they're going to actually let their light shine. And then they'll pay a price for something. And then like Daniel, down the road, they'll have the, uh, they'll have the authority to speak to entire nations. To speak to entire uh, you know, communities. And, and you know, nobody wanted to hear anything Daniel had to say until what? He interpreted a dream. See, I want you to understand this. He still had to go through the schooling to get to the place where he could meet with the king. And, and see, God wants us to begin to start to understand the power of the practical. Because I meet Christians all the time. They're like, man, I'm going to just pray 24-7 and fast. And that's how I'll get there. And, and you know, they're, they're hilarious. They'll say, I'll give my um, you know, resume to them and God will make it happen. And it makes me laugh because, I mean, like... You know, so what if you got a word from someone like Bob Jones, you know, or whatever? You're going to go in and be like, here, here's my resume. And they're like, Bob Jones? Is that Bob Jones University? No, that's a prophetic word. Get out of here. You know, that's what they're going to say to you. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm saying this because if we can learn the, the power of the practical, then the spiritual begins to manifest in such a powerful way. Because what God wants us to do is he wants us to provide him with a wineskin so he can pour precious wine into and as that happens, uh, what happens is the manifestation of heaven happens. And so what does that look like practically? Like how do, how do, how do we begin to do that? And, and how do we begin to understand what that looks like? And, and number one, here's what I want to say is we want to clearly hear the word of the Lord. We want to clearly hear the word of the Lord because I meet people all the time that they, they seem to think they got the word of the Lord, but it's so far from them that I'm like, I question, like, I don't know if that's the word of the Lord for you. You know, I met a guy one time that said he was a worship leader and he couldn't play the instrument. And he, he could like he'll hardly sing either. And I remember I'm thinking in my head like, I don't know. And he's like telling me like, yeah, man, I got a word from a prophet. And he said, I'm going to be the next, you know, Tim Hughes. And I was thinking like, well, unless Jesus changes everything right now perfectly and with a creative miracle, I'm sorry, you're not going to get there. You know, like, I'm like, you actually are killing us right now. Like, you're off tune. Like, you, you can't even play that instrument. I, I think you need to go practice for a while. Now, why am I saying that? Not because we want to hinder people, but because how many know sometimes it's, it's wrong to let people live in an uh, uh, identity crisis? And, and, and then I remember I asked him, I said, so who's the prophet? He said, my brother. I said, that, your brother is not a prophet. That doesn't count. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what am I saying right now? Well, here's what the Bible says. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, the word of the Lord is confirmed. And so that's important. Why? Because all of a sudden we begin to recognize what is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is this. It's what God says to you continually. It's what he confirms over and over again. And, and here's the other thing. How does the prophetic work? We need to understand more about that. The prophetic works often like this. You've already heard the word, but then all of a sudden the prophets come or somebody who is prophetic comes and they confirm that which you've already heard. Who's ever heard someone preach a message? You're like, I was reading that, that this week. 
You know, or like, oh, I heard that too. Like God told me that. Or, 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 or let's just say, I meet some people and, and they're like, man, you just gave me that word. You're the 10th person to give me that word. And they're like, that's pretty cool. And I look at it and go, I don't know if it's that cool. Have you done anything with that word? Because if God has to say it 10 times, it probably means he's by that point chasing you. And he's going, please, come on. I'm pleading with you. This is the highest call for you. Step into it. And, and, you know, I, I want to say this, too, is uh, this is what's so fun about God. You do not have to be qualified to do the things that he tells you to do, because most of the time he's actually going to call you to do something you're totally not qualified for. And you know what? That's the that's the thing about God that you're like, oh, do you always got to do that, God? That's impossible. Well, how many know it wouldn't bring him glory if it were possible out of our own flesh to pull off? But how many know that it's the impossible that brings him glory and brings him honor and brings him praise? And, and so I don't know about you, but who's ever received a word that seems pretty impossible? Just raise your hand, you know. Go ahead, raise, raise your hand if that's you. And if you haven't, you're going to. Huh. And you know what? Those are the words that you've got to keep and you've got to cherish in your heart. I mean, here's Mary, right? She's going to birth the Savior of the world. And an angel shows up and says to her, you know, you're chosen. And, and she's probably thinking like, What? What do you mean I'm going to have a child? You know, like, I, I've never, I'm a virgin. And, and, and you know what was crazy is it, the, she says, how's that going to happen? And the angel says, the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you, and, and it's going to happen. And you know what she said? She said, okay, fine. Let it be unto me according to your word, Lord. And you know what happened? It happened. And see, some of us, when we get an impossible word, instead of saying, okay, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word, we go, I don't know how that's going to happen, Right? We go, well, A plus B doesn't equal that. I want you to understand something. God will mess you up if you start trying to think with this. I want you to understand this. He wants to get us out of this and into this. I mean, you want to see what I'm talking about? Just look at God's math. God's math will mess you up. I mean, you know, come on. How many know one plus one equals two, right? You know, and, and, and how many of you know one plus one, uh, you know, plus a couple fish, it doesn't equal much. But in God's economy, it fed 5,000 people. You know, and that, that, that'll mess you up right there. You're like, whoa, I never thought about that. I'm like, God, you know, that, we're talking about the math of God. It's way bigger than the math of man, right? And you could sit there all day and figure out, well, how did they get that out of that? It's a miracle. Amen. And what God's looking for is people that agree with him and they say yes to what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. And I mean, I can tell you in my own life, I've had, um, I've had God tell me stuff that I thought was the craziest thing. And, and uh, you know, I remember the Lord told me, he said to me, um, I want you to self-publish a book and, and don't use a big publication company. I'll get it out there better than the ones uh, that, that you've done with publication. I thought, okay, yeah, that's really going to happen. You know? But then I went, yes, Lord, it's you. I'm going to disagree with you. I said, what do I do? He said, uh, write the book. I mean, no, that's not... <laughs> So I wrote the book, and I remember I got it. It was Activating Your Spiritual Senses. And, and after I wrote the book, I got invited to go on to a TV show called It's Supernatural with Sid Roth. And I went on the show, and I did an interview on the book. And you know what happened? I sold $20,000 worth of books by going on that one TV show. And that book literally went out all over the world. And, and you know what the crazy part is? I would go to like places like England or the UK, and I had been there before, and the room was half, half empty every time I preached to these churches. Well, I went the next time, they were full, and people out in the, the, you know, outside trying to get in, and the pastors were going, what did you do? And I said, I was obedient to write a book. <laughs> I mean, so many people, they try, to, they try to make the things of God happen. You know, I got friends that are in ministry, and they, that right there, they're like, man, that was an increase of influence. Give me the keys. And I go, I don't have a key for you. I had the key for me. 
Because God's in the relationship. And you know what? He'll speak to you what he wants you to do. And if you're faithful and obedient to do it, then he'll bless you. He'll bless you. And, and see, God wants to teach us now, what do we do with the things that we see and hear and experience and have from God that we know are lighting up, you know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses? Well, I'll tell you what, we've got to steward them. I remember when I first got born again, I want you to know, I, I knew nothing about nothing. I was a college athlete playing baseball. The only thing I knew is that God was real. And the reason why I knew he was real is because when I was 13 years old, my mother got breast cancer and she, you know, went through chemotherapy, lost her hair. She almost passed away. And, and the crazy thing was some, some, um, some crazy Bible thumper lady gave her a Bible and said, you should try this because God is real. And she read it. And when she read it, she was like, oh, wow. Um, God, you healed blind Bartimaeus, so if you're really real, would you heal me? And you know what happened? The hand of God in a vision touched her. She was instantly healed. That was when I was 13. So my whole life, I, I was never one of these guys, oh, God is in the cosmos or in the, you know, God is in the galaxy. I mean, I was like, Jesus has really healed my mom, but I just didn't care. I didn't want to live for God. And so I remember when I was in college, you know, and I got saved. I, I, I totally, uh, when I got saved, I was just this wild guy. And, but when I got saved, I got saved. What do you mean by that? Well, when I got saved, I didn't drink alcohol anymore. I didn't do drugs anymore. I, I had a radical conversion where I went from drinking five nights a week to like I was saved. I mean, I want you to understand something. I still haven't touched it. And it's not an issue of religion. It's an issue of, of honor for the king. But also, I, how many know you got to know your own life, right? How many know that if you ever had a, an issue with addictions or with drugs or even that kind of stuff, it's probably not a good idea to drink casually ever again. I mean, I think that people that have that background just give it up totally. Why? Because you're guarding your heart. And it's not, I've had people that go, well, well, I can't, that's religious, man. For me, it's not religion. It's, it's not at all. It's just my guarding of my heart and I'm being smart, right? But I don't have a problem with someone having a beer with me. I mean, I've had guys that tell me, come on, you've been saved for 13 years. Why don't you just have one with me, man? You're religious. And I tell them, I say, no, I'm never opening the door to the devil that bound me before. But I tell them, I said, it's not an issue of freedom unless you can't have your beer without me having one. Then who needs the freedom? Right? See, there's two sides to the coin. And I'm just, I'm throwing that out there because there's so many little things sometimes that gets people. And it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about you individually with him because each and every one of you are different. You're not called to be robots. Amen. And, and here's what I want to say is I remember when I first got saved, man, I thought people that were charismatic were crazy. I mean, I thought they were out of their mind. I got born again. I was right in a Calvary Chapel church and it was, a, you know, Bible teaching and it was amazing and I loved it. And you know what? I thank God for the Calvary Chapel people. But when I got around the charismatics, I thought they were crazy. I remember the first thing I ever went to that was charismatic was the call in San Francisco. And this lady got up there named Heidi Baker, and she was crazy. That's what I thought. I mean, she was up there going, holy, you know, and like making noises. I never seen anything like it. I actually thought that it was like Make-A-Wish Foundation where they like, I, I was like, they're letting this lady speak before all these people, thousands of people. And she has Tourette's. I'm like, this is so amazing. There was 20,000 people in this stadium. Now, remember, I was born again like 25 days. I mean, I didn't know. I never seen any of that stuff. And, and I remember she was going, holy ho, you know, and, and I thought that's weird. And then, and then she said this prayer. She goes, if you want the boldness of God, I want you to fall on your face right now. Some of you are called to be evangelists and God's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And, and everybody went, so I thought I better do it too. You know, and then she starts praying and she's going, holy, holy. And she goes, Holy Spirit, blow. Holy Spirit, blow. And she's, she's praying this prayer. That's the whole prayer, like a hundred times. 
And so I'm like down there like, what's going on, you know? And about the 40th Holy Spirit blow, wind starts picking up in the stadium. And I'm thinking, this is weird. And then she goes, blow, Holy Spirit, blow. And it gets to like 80. And the wind's like overtaking us. And, and I'm just like freaked out, right? And, and you know what happened to me? I got baptized in the fire of God for three days. It didn't stop. And guess who was the one going, holy, holy, now? It was me. I was the one shaking under the power of God for three days. And everybody was uh, probably laughing because I was the guy that was pointing the finger. How many know when you point the finger, you got a bunch pointing back at you, right? You know what? God is so funny and so good that sometimes he'll be like, you know what? I love that guy so much. And his heart's really not wrong. He just doesn't understand. Just whack him for a couple days, right? And then then I was all good after that. But but you know what was crazy is she had prophesied. She had said, God's going to release an evangelistic anointing. Well, I didn't have a clue what that was and what that looked like, except for I knew about Philip in the Bible, you know? Because my good old Calvary Chapel teaching that month happened to be right on Philip. And how many know that's how God always does it, right? It's like he sets you up by giving you something in the word and then he gives it to you in the spirit. And so I was like, you know, they were preaching about Philip and how he was a New Testament evangelist. And so I thought like, okay, I can do this. I know what that is. And, and, um, and, and so I thought to myself, how do I step into being an evangelist? Because nobody's going to let me speak in their pulpit, you know, or like whatever. I mean, I'm, all, I'm barely saved. And so for the next year, all I did was go and pray for homeless people. That's what I did. I would go buy sandwiches. I'd bring them. I didn't even know about healing or any of that stuff, any, any of the kingdom stuff yet. So I would just take sandwiches. I'd go hang out with like entire groups of homeless people and bring them like a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken and sit down with them. And I would like totally love on them. And you know what? At first they thought I was crazy, but then they were expecting the chicken every week. And, and, you know, I just built relationship with them. And, and then later on, you know, I, I got touched by God. I went on a missions trip to India. And, and, and the reason why I went to India was because uh, I, I, this evangelistic word came to me a second time. This woman called me on a meeting that I didn't, who, I didn't know who she was. And she said, you're called to be a prophet and an evangelist. And you're going to go all around the world and you're going to preach the gospel. Now, here's my thing. I was like a prophet. Does she mean I'm going to start my own ministry? So I thought, I was like, okay, non-profit. I mean, I had no grid for that. I'm at Calvary Chapel. And so you know what I did? I put that one on the shelf. I mean, that's okay. You know, sometimes when you don't fully understand something right away, you just go, okay, thank you for that, Lord. I'm going to put that here. You'll, you'll visit that again later, right? And so, but the evangelist thing came back. And so I thought, okay, I'm an evangelist. So I got to do something that's evangelist, you know? And so what do I do? So I went to India. And when I went to India, I saw blind eyes open, deaf ears, you know, hearing. And, you know, I saw a little boy who was five years old, first creative miracle I ever saw. He was deaf and dumb from birth. And his parents came and brought him and through the translator said he's deaf and dumb from birth. And I didn't even know what to do. So I just prayed for him, you know, like Jesus prayed in the Bible. So I said, deaf and dumb spirit, leave him now. And when I took my hands off, the kid could hear and he could talk. And I mean, after that, I was over with. I was on fire for this stuff. Like I went home and I was, I, I actually, um, I, I got politely asked to, to uh, find another church from Calvary Chapel because I would go everywhere and every place I went, miracles were happening, healings were happening. And, and, and all of a sudden this evangelistic thing started to stir up in me. And you know what? If I had not have made a decision because of the prophetic word to go to India, none of it would have happened. See, some of you get these words and you just sit on them and go, well, if God wants that to happen, then he's got to make it happen. No, you need to get in a plane, fly to India. I mean, not all of you, but what I'm saying is that you need to find what it is for you. You know, and, and, and you know what? When I came home, I remember I started seeing so many radical healings. Uh, I remember the first miracle I saw when I came back is a woman got totally 100% fully healed from AIDS. And it was at my parents' church in Colorado and I was just visiting. And the next week, the pastor asked me to speak. 
And you know what started happening is that all of my testimonies of healings, they did two things. Number one, they made all the religious people mad. Number two, they made the pastors want to let me speak. And before you know it, I couldn't go anywhere without people saying, hey, come up here and share that testimony, brother, that you seen last week about that thing. And I would share it, and even my own friends would be like, man, I hate you because you're always seeing miracles. And, ah, and it was like this weird thing. And, and I remember just telling them, well, you want to see miracles? They said, yeah. I said, well, then go out and do it. I mean, no, there's an aspect of, of do it, right? And, and, and you know what's funny is the people that didn't like me, how many know the ones that never do a thing ever are the ones that criticize, right? Yeah. And, and see, what God wants is God wants us to move past that and to look at the things called fruit in the kingdom. Because it's all about fruit. Now, I'm sharing a little bit on my personal journey because I want you guys to understand something. God is going to start to really increase the voice of the Lord in this place. See, this is what I was seeing in the spirit. I was seeing God increasing his voice. I was seeing God increasing the prophetic anointing to see and to hear and to know. And, and God wants to chart the course of your prophetic destiny very clearly in this place. And, and I want to say this. There are many of you here that I feel like have had um, incredible uh, prophetic promises from the Lord. And, and for many of you, some of you have stepped into them. Some of you have not. Some of you have actually had the enemy come in and steal them from you. And God wants to restore those prophetic promises this morning. And, and oftentimes, how the enemy steals the prophetic promises is through the storms of life that we go through. I mean, I, I want you to see this. You know, the Bible shows us this. How many know that Paul, the apostle, went through some storms, right? I mean, here's Paul. He's called the Lord. He's called to be an apostle, and he's called to preach the gospel. And I want you to understand something. It was everything but easy for him. But what did he do? He, he walked with God in the Spirit, and he saw powerful uh, Amazing miracles happen, and, and he, he, he was always led of the Spirit, even to the place where God would resist him going to the wrong place. I mean, oh, that's good God, right? I don't know about you, but God, if I'm in the wrong path right now, please show me so I can get right back on the right one, you know? See, these are the kinds of things God's about to do in this place. And so anyway, you know what's amazing, though, is in Acts chapter 27, 22 through 25, um, you know, Paul sets sail on a voyage to go to, uh, to Rome. And the reason why he's got to go to Rome is because God has mandated him. He's told him, I want you to give a prophetic word to Caesar. And, and see, he had a calling of, of a, an apostolic guy and a prophet, but God had given him a mandate. He had given him a destination. He had set the course of his destination through the prophetic word. He said, you're to go to Rome, and you're, you're to, to give a prophetic word to Caesar. And, and so he said, go on this boat. And you know what happens is the prophetic came to Paul first before the boat even set sail. And he said to them, hey, brothers, we better wait a little bit before we set sail. There's going to be a bad storm. And if we go now, we're going to be in the middle of it. And you can read this in this chapter. Before this portion of scriptures, and you know what happens? They go, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, preacher. Get down underneath there." You know, and I'm paraphrasing. You know, how many, how many know that's what people do a lot of times with the voice of God? The voice of God. You know what? They like the tickling, you know, and the the laughing and and the goosebumps. And when God's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, touching us and, and we're manifesting, and it's like joy. We're like, yes. But when God comes like a father, and He's like, hey, you might not want to do that. Sometimes people, ah, that ain't God. Let me know that we got to get a balance going, right? Of goodness of God and severity of God. Why? Because in that is the fear of the Lord. And when we have the fear of the Lord, it empowers the grace of God. And you know what? There's a contention of that in the earth right now. You know, there's a lot of people that think that the fear of the Lord is I can do whatever, or I'm sorry, the grace of God is I can do whatever I want in the name of, you know, he's a good God and he'll forgive me no matter what. I want you to understand something. How I many know we can't abuse the love of God, right? 
See, the fear of the Lord is this. Uh, the fear of the Lord is what empowers grace. Grace has nothing to do with your, your you know, sin. Grace has to do with keeping you out of sin. The blood of Jesus has to do with sin. See, the blood of Jesus forgives sin. It covers sin. But the grace of God empowers you to stay out of sin. So how do we empower grace in our lives? It's through the fear of the Lord. And here's what the fear of the Lord is. I love Jesus so much, I don't want to hurt his heart by doing the things I shouldn't. See, that's what it is to walk in the fear of the Lord, is to make decisions in your life, not according to what makes you happy or pleases you, but what, what pleases him. And, and, and so anyway, back to this whole thing. There's, you know, so Paul gets on the ship, and, and all of a sudden, everything he told them happens. They come into this nasty storm, and it seems like everybody on the entire uh, ship is going to die. And then Paul emerges out of the bottom of the ship, who is down there probably praying. And in Acts chapter 27, 22 through 25, this is what he says. And he says, and I now urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, of the one whom I serve. Do not be afraid, for I, Paul, must come before Caesar, and indeed God has granted us all that sail with us. Therefore, take heart, men. I believe that God will save us. Now, I want you to see this because uh, what do you do when things start to get hard? Because anytime God starts to speak and anytime there's a storm that rises up, the easiest thing is to be like, ah, forget that. I'm done with it. I'm out of here. Go to Starbucks you know, or Tim Hortons or whatever. And, 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 you know, I threw that in for you. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying, though, is this, is, is how many know sometimes when the storms come, that's actually the sign that we need to stick in there and that we need to keep having faith. We need to keep pressing through. Now, what do you do when the storms of life start to blow you around? Everything looks opposite. I'll tell you what you do. You do what Paul did. Paul said to the guys, he said, I take you to urge heart because today there was an angel uh, that stood beside me of the God whom I serve. And he said this, I must come before Caesar. See, we got to understand what is your Caesar? What is your prophetic promise? What is your calling? What is it that God has spoke to you? And because he has spoke that to you, you cannot be moved. And God will move heaven, earth, hell. He'll move everything out of your way to protect you until you're accomplishing that which he sent you for. You cannot go home prematurely if you're walking in the will of God. And so here is Paul, and he's in the middle of this thing. Everybody's lost heart. The storm's hitting. The ship's about to go. He stands up, and what does he do? He fights the devil with a prophetic word. How many know that Paul said to Timothy, he said, Do not forget the uh, laying on of hands and the prophetic utterances that were spoken over you when we commissioned you. You want to know how you war when it comes to uh, times of warfare? With prophecy. With promises that come out of the word of God, with promises that have been spoke over you, with things that have been told to you. Even when, I mean, I've had things from when I was a little child that, you know, I was told in Sunday school uh, that I remember in times of warfare. I remember one time a a Sunday school teacher told me, she was like, you know, you don't have to be afraid of those bad dreams because I'd have bad dreams. She said, because Jesus is greater. And that stuck with me. And every time when I would have a bad dream when I was growing up, I would just be like, my Sunday school says Jesus is greater. And it was stuck, you know? And, and we got to grab a hold of promises and we got to walk them out. And, and I feel like today, God wants to release passion in this place to take back promises. I believe today God wants to release childlikeness. I mean, even like we started about, we were talking about the beginning, you know, I was talking about how sometimes God will, will ask us to do things that seem childish or, you know, whatever, let's take a cup and drink it or whatever you want to say. But how many of little children don't even question that? They just drink it. And, and you know what? This is my final thing I'm going to say is I, I really believe God wants to restore passion this morning. Passion for, 
for our callings and for the prophetic promises of God and for the things that have been stolen. And who's ever had to the devil steal something from you of a promise? If that's you, just raise your hand. He's going to restore today. And you know what? If I'm talking to you and this is a new concept, I'm telling you, Jesus is going to speak to you. He's going to give you some understanding. But, but you know, there was a king. I, wa I want you to see something. How do, this is my last point. How do we accelerate the prophetic promises of God? We value the prophetic. I mean, you know, we should always live in a culture that values the word of God. I mean, you know, we should always be saying, God, what are you saying? God, how are you saying that? Lord, speak to me. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Because when we're in that kind of a place, in that kind of a heart, then he will speak. And then he will empower us to, to do what we do. But what we have to understand is this. Is when we get the word of the Lord, you don't just sit there with the word of the Lord and, and let it, you know, just put it on, on the shelf like it's a trophy. You've got to work that word. How do we do that? We pray into the word. We prophesy. I mean, when you're praying at home, you take the word before the Lord. Lord, I'm called to be an evangelist to the nations. I decree right now. And in fact, I'm going to India to show you. You know what I do now? I speak full time all over the world. Why? Because I stewarded a word by going to the streets. And then I took it even further and went to the nations. And then after that, people just were like, come up here and speak. And after enough of those times, all of a sudden, I've got a platform. How many know it'll work in your business? It'll work in your, your schooling. It'll work wherever you are. And, and, and I want you to understand this. There's some people here that, that God wants to touch and, and he wants to, to, to bring a fresh impartation to of passion and, and love for the prophetic. And, and he also wants to, to, to remove the wrong thinking because it's mindsets that causes the kingdom of heaven to be held up. And, and you know, King Joash in 2 Kings 14, 15 through 21, we see a story about a king who, who didn't value the prophetic, who I think he thought, you know, the, the prophetic was kind of silly because he didn't want to do all the little prophetic acts that everybody does. And he didn't want, you know, what happens is the king in Syria attacks Israel. And he ends up outside of the house, and here is uh, Joash, and Joash goes to the prophet Elisha. The Elisha, Elisha the prophet is on his sickbed, and he, he wakes him up, and he says, hey, what do we do? And Elisha says to him, hey, go get that bow and arrow over there, take the arrow out, and shoot it through the back window. And the king was, pro uh, the king was probably like, oh, here we go again, man. Oh, whenever we get around these prophetic guys, they're always weird. You know, and so he goes and grabs the bow, and he's like, you know, shoots it out the window. And then, the, and then Elisha on his sickbed says, hey, why don't you grab an arrow now out of the quiver and strike the ground? And you know what he does? He grabs an arrow and he strikes the ground. And, but he doesn't do it with faith. And I can tell you why I know that, because the prophet rebukes him. Probably he took the arrow and was like, oh, this is so stupid. You know, why did I even come here? Wasting my time. And, you know, and. I mean, we do that. You know, someone will get up and say, there's an imaginary river here and we're going to take a drink from the river. I'm just so stupid. You know? Oh, yeah, I can drink out of a river, real river. That's brown carpet. No, it's by faith. You know, and, and here's this king. He grabs the arrow and he strikes the ground really reluctantly and without what passion. And the rebuke of the Lord comes through the prophet. And he says, because you only struck the ground one or two times, you didn't strike it with passion five or six. He says, you're only going to have partial uh, victory over your enemies. Who's tired of partial victory over the devil? I don't know about you, but I want to see him destroyed. I'm tired of having a little bit of breakthrough and then warfare. A little bit of breakthrough and then warfare. Could it be that the issue is not necessarily God, but it's us? And we need to get a little more passion and tenacity for things. And, and so I want you to stand to your feet. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the close here. <laughs> yeah, can I get... Ah, thank you. See, what am I saying this morning? I'm saying that God wants to release 
dreams in this place. He wants to release prophetic promises. He wants to breathe on prophetic promises. There's some of you here, you are prophetically you know, pregnant in the Lord. And for a long time, you've been due to give birth. And you're like, man, why is it not happening? Why is this stuff not coming forth? Or yeah, for whatever reason, you know? And, and, and I just want to make a few degrees that God would just begin to release passion in this place and that you would grab a hold of, of, of the things that he wants to give you. And, and, and here's the thing that happened with Elisha. After the king struck the ground a few times reluctantly and the, the prophet rebuked him, the prophet died. You know what that means? It means that if we don't take serious the word of the Lord and we don't, the quickest way to kill a prophetic promise is to not be like childlike, but to be critical. I'll just throw that out there like that. The quickest way to kill the prophetic promises of God or breakthrough over even your enemies is to, to not be radically obedient to God because God will ask you to do things that make no sense. I'm sure Joshua probably was laughing a little bit when he went to his people and said, all right, we're going to march around this city seven times and then those guys that blow those annoying horns are going to blow them and the walls are going to fall. They're probably, I'm sure there was a couple that were like, man, this guy's crazy. Let's just do it though. You know, and, God always speaks outside the box. And he's a good father and he loves you so much. Woo, Jesus, I love you, God. Ah, now I'm feeling that joy. Ah. Amen. Amen. You ready to receive that? Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Jeremy and Miranda need to leave. They need to get to Richmond. Amen. Let's just close in prayer. Man, if you've shot some arrows... Remember them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for your prophetic word and the voice this morning. We receive it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless your brother Jeremy, Miranda. Amen. Have a great ride. Hallelujah. Have a great week, everyone. God bless you. We will see you Saturday for the celebration of life. Amen. God bless.